Hey, Brian here with Mid-City Vineyard Church. Mid-City Vineyard is located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana on Canal Street. And if you want to learn a little bit more about us, you can check us out on Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard, Instagram, at Mid-City Vineyard, and of course online, midcityvineyard.org. Over the last number of weeks, we've been in a series on the Sermon on the Mount, but we decided this week in the midst of Hurricane Harvey, in the midst of so many other things that seem to be going on in the lives of people in our community of faith, uh, we're taking a break from the Sermon on the Mount, and we did a little something called Finding Calm in the Chaos for this particular week. A very special look at what it looks like to take some time to Refresh your soul, your spirit, your mind, your heart, your body. So, we hope that this is uh, incredibly helpful and that you enjoy it. Much peace to you. My desire in my life is that I personally would continue to grow in Christ and to journey with Christ and to grow in maturity and to be formed and to be transformed into Christ's likeness. That's my desire for me, and that is that's my desire for you. And so when when we get together on Saturday nights, you know, it's not I, I cannot think of a Saturday night yet where we've just decided, oh, we don't know what to talk about. Let's talk about this. Everything that we're doing is something that, in some way, shape, or form, I really do sense that that's what God is doing with us. Uh, tonight, I or uh, this week, I text a few people and uh, just in our church, and I said, listen, I'm, I'm thinking about continuing the series of the Sermon on the Mount. However, I feel like our church is in a place right now where we might need something a little different, you know, because there seems to be a lot of chaos, there seems to be a lot of anxiety, there seems to be a lot of stuff going on. What do you guys think should we consider talking about, you know, maintaining sanity in the chaos and what that looks like? And without question, the uh, seven people I text all, all text back and said, yes, do that. And so uh, I think that's where our church is. And so we're going to do that this evening or this this evening. So. So here's how it works for me personally. Six days a week, uh, I create. Six days a week, I read, I study, I write. Uh, I write poetry. I write um, uh, uh, stories. I write sermons. I, I write whatever it might be. I meet with people. I create. I plan. I organize. Uh, I network. I email. I pay bills. I call the sewage and water board. I I, I put out fires, I start fires, I think, I, I do, I work, I work, I work. And, you know, that's what you do also. So that's, there's nothing special about that. But those things that I just mentioned happen to be the things that um, kind of fulfill the vocation uh, uh, that I sense that God has called me to and invited me to. So for me, Sundays have turned out to be really a wonderful day. Uh, most Sundays, anyway, because Sundays are my day off. Now, I've picked Sundays because I work all day Saturday. You know, I usually, on Saturdays, getting ready for tonight, I usually start early in the morning and just work all the way through. And I've, I've chosen Sundays. There's no special thing about choosing a Sunday or a Saturday for my day off. If I worked my butt off on Sunday, then I'd pick Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. I would just, I'd find something in there. But here's how it works. Tonight, at 10 o'clock, uh, I will uh, close my computer, and I will put my phone to the side. Uh, I will not check my emails from 10 o'clock tonight 
uh, until Monday morning. I won't check my emails. Uh, I will not check social media. I won't check Facebook. I won't check Instagram. Uh, I will not read anything for educational purposes. I will read because I just love to do that. But it'll be something, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's not going to be anything work-related. Uh, I won't uh, create anything new. I won't write poetry. I won't write stories. I won't blog. I won't do any of those things. Uh, and here's the thing about it. I'm not legalistic about this at all. Um, I still, I will go to my son's baseball game if he plays baseball that day. I will do work around the house. Uh, I will play around the house. And if indeed there's an emergency, I will be present. I will check my phone for text messages and phone calls that I missed um, occasionally. But I won't, I won't be pressed to respond because I reserve Sunday just for rest and for regaining my center, uh, for meditation, for my family, for my wife, for my kids. That's what we do. And the overarching uh, spirit of what I'm trying to do here is that I would actually take a break from the stuff I do the other six days. That whatever I do the other six days, I would take a break from that. And again, remember, it doesn't have to be on Sunday. It's just whatever would work, and Sunday works for me. And the reason is, is because it is important to rest. Plain and simple. Now, the critics will say, myself included many times, I know, I know, I know, I need to rest. And then we won't do it. I know, I know, I know, but there's this, or but there's that. I get it. I really do. Well, why do I need to do it? I mean, do I have to do it because God told me to? Nope. No. Do I do it because the church tells me I have to? No. Matter of fact, I, don't, I haven't been to all that many churches that actually spend enough time talking about this, uh, honestly. Well, because I might die of a heart attack if I don't? Yes, but no, that's not why. I would argue that the reason we do it is because rest is one of the most formative, soul-shaping, spirit-forming, mind and heart-transforming acts that the Creator has given to us as a gift. As a gift that God has given because it's important to, and, and, and think back to last week when we talked about two kingdoms, but it is important to resist against the culture of now. It is important as a follower of Christ, someone who is called and set apart, someone who is living in a different reality, someone who is living according to a different narrative. It is important to resist against the tyranny of the urgent. It is important to live into an alternative reality than the one our culture offers to us. Because our culture offers to us a particular reality. It is the reality that everything is urgent. It is the reality that you are the center of your universe. And for that matter, it causes you to think that you're the center of other people's universe. And when I say you, I mean we. Now, we might be familiar with where this initial idea comes in. Uh, Micah, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. You've probably heard this or read this along the way in the great Ten Commandments when God says, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. 
Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God, and in it you shall do no work. So what ends up happening for, uh, for centuries after this is that it became a legalistic move by the Jewish people, by Israel, that everything became, uh, the, 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 the Israelites actually came up with thousands of laws uh, of things that everything that was wrong with working on the Sabbath. You know, if you bent over and picked a flower, you were now guilty of breaking the Sabbath. If, if you happened to, uh, if you happened to, uh, um, if a friend had something happen to them and you went and helped your friend, now you're working on the Sabbath. I mean, there were all kinds of things, and it became this legalistic process. It's interesting. In the next slide, in Mark chapter 2, verse 23 through 27, here's something that's beautiful that happens in the New Testament. It says that Jesus was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And remember, Jesus was a Jew. And his disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain. And the Pharisees came, and they said to him, Look, why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? See, going back to that picking flowers thing. And Jesus said to them, Well, have you not read what David did when he was in need and he and, he and his companions became hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of that guy? the high priest, and he ate consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priest. And he also gave it to those who were with him. And then Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man. The man or woman was not made for the Sabbath. Jesus is, is turning this thing and he's explaining to us that, listen, the Sabbath has been given to you for you. It's a gift that God has given to you and to me. Jesus says in Matthew 11, he says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. How many lived freely and lightly this week, this month, so far this year, have we? I was uh, sitting at Revel the other day at the bar having a drink with a buddy and um, the girl, the bartender, I said, how are you doing? And she's like, oh, it's been a rough month. And I looked down at my, my watch and I was like, today's the first. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> how bad can it be? You know, and, and but I, that's just kind of and I, what Jesus is doing here is I believe that Jesus is reminding us you are a human being. You are not a human doing. And you and I, we are made up of flesh and sinews, dust and soil, body and soul, spirit and mind, heart and gut. And, and, and the thing is, you're not just a spiritual being. You're not solely a soul, but you're a fully integrated human being. Your body, soul, spirit, mind, heart, gut. And your body has been created in a way that your body needs and understands certain 
rhythms. Did you know that when you wake up in the morning, your, uh, your body begins to release a steroid hormone called cortisol? Your body, when you awake in the morning, your body releases cortisol, and it's like this, it's like this adrenaline push. And within the first 30 minutes of waking up, your body begins to release more and more of it to get you going and moving about your day. As the day progresses, your body releases less and less cortisol throughout the day. Whereas when you start to reach the end of your day, your body begins to release a different chemical, which, uh, I mean, I forgot, I just now lost the name of it, um, melatonin. Your body begins to release melatonin, and melatonin is the chemical in your body that begins to help you sleep, to move. So, so your body is wired in a way. I wake up, I'm here, and it's gonna, my cortisol is going to taper off, and melatonin is going to come up, and now it's time to get ready, and I'm falling asleep. I'm dozing off on the sofa. I wait, oh, I, uh, let me go to the bed. I go to the bed. But on the way, I stop in the kitchen to plug in my phone. And when I plug in my phone, I notice that there's a little bubble on the email. So I open it up and I read the email. And the email stresses me out. The email hits me in a way that now I get my way to the bed and I find myself, it was 11 o'clock and now it's 12 o'clock and now it's 1 o'clock. And where I was dozing off, on the sofa at 11 o'clock, now I'm wide awake, still staring at the ceiling, because what I did is I jumped my body, I jolted my body out of the restful state, and now I'm using my mind, and I'm using uh, the things that are not intended to be happening right now to actually come up and create and think through new ideas and new ways of doing things, and so on and so forth. How many of you have lost lots of sleep thinking about work the next day? I mean, that's what we do. I mean, so everybody, we're all in the, in the same boat here. Now, here's how it works, and this is incredibly interesting to me in the, the, the narrative in the Old Testament. When we look, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you briefly, but I'm going to encourage you to go back and read some of these passages tonight. But in the Old Testament, we, when we look at the Hebrew people who were slaves in Egypt, okay? They're slaves in Egypt, and they are being ruled with an iron fist by Pharaoh. Pharaoh is ruling with an iron fist. And what Pharaoh is doing is Pharaoh is telling these Hebrew people, you work, 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 work. Not only do you work, 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 but I'm going to continue until you're just, you're, you're just flat out exhausted. I, I, I'm going to make you make the bricks, make the bricks, make the bricks, make the bricks. And you keep doing it, and there is no rest. This is a seven-day-a-week ordeal. Pharaoh demands more and more and more because in the system that Pharaoh runs, it's evident that time is money. So you produce, you produce, you produce, you produce. The value comes from the production. That's what matters. Now, think about this. When God delivers the Hebrews, the Israelites, from Egypt, <laughs> pulls them out of Egypt, takes them out of slavery, takes them out from under the iron fist of Pharaoh. Produce, produce, produce. Get up, produce, produce, produce. Human beings have existed for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years at this point. And when he pulls them out, when the creator God pulls them out of Egypt, he says, here's some guidelines. You're going to be my people. I am Yahweh. I am. You are going to be my people. And 
you're going to look different than all the other people of the world so that when the people of the world look at you, they will see me and they will be drawn to me. That's, that's what's going on here. And so here are some guidelines. Don't kill people. That's bad. Don't sleep with people that you're not supposed to be sleeping with. That's not good. Don't covet, okay? Don't want stuff that doesn't belong to you. Just be, learn to be content, okay? Isn't it interesting that in these Ten Commandments that one of the things that God says is remember to take a day off. Now think, think back. People have been for thousands of years just work, 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 work. And now this, this, this divine being says, hey, take a day off. Take a day off. Don't, don't do what the culture does. But instead, rest. I'm giving this to you as a gift. And it's an acknowledgement that God and God's people in the world are not commodities to be dispatched for endless production in the service of a command economy. That's where we live. We live in a command economy. But instead, God's people are subject, uh, situated in an economy of love and grace and mercy and rest and peace. And isn't it interesting? Go look in Exodus. But the Hebrew people struggled. The Hebrew people struggled. What do you mean, don't, what do you mean on this? What are you talking about? There's, there's record where they would, they, would, they would go out and it was like this thing that over and over and over again, God would remind them. Moses would remind them. Joshua would remind them. It's a proven fact that when you read the scriptures there, you can take the people out of Egypt, but it was very difficult to take Egypt out of the people. And what does that mean? It was difficult to take out of the people because it was in their blood. This is what we do. This is all we've ever known. This is how we find our value. If we don't produce, how will we eat? Or whatever it might be. Anxiety is an American way of life. Can you, I mean, can we agree with that? I mean, more people today are on all types of medications. High blood pressure medication, anti-anxiety medication. And just so you know, I have no judgment there. I'm on anti-anxiety medication. I'm one of those people. So the, the thing is, though, we are just, we're, we're just a culture that's running a million miles an hour. And we're going, 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 going. And maybe, as those who are set apart, maybe there is a different way of finding calm in the chaos if we would learn to take a little bit better care of ourselves. Now, listen, what we're talking about tonight, this is not the fix-all. I mean, I've been practicing this for quite some time, and I still need my anxiety medicine. So this is not like, oh, everybody needs to get off their medication, everybody, and you'll never be anxious again if you do these things. No, no, no. But this is about being formed and transformed and growing and maturing and sensing what the Spirit of God is doing in your life. And if we don't ever take any time, we'll never see what the Spirit of God is doing in our life. So Sabbath and or rest, I would suggest, is an art form. It's an art form. It's also called a discipline. The word discipline 
is awful because we know that discipline is not easy, right? I mean, whenever, you know, I'm trying to get back, I'm trying to get back into, you know, not eating sugar so much. And it's awful. You know, so last night I went and bought two half gallons of ice cream so we could, you know, give it my last hoorah. <laughs> not just one, but two, so we could, you know, and then, you know, but the only way you can do it is to discipline yourself. Well, I, I got to tell you, the same thing is true with rest and taking care of yourself. But I want to suggest to you in a way that maybe you haven't thought of it before. But rest, Sabbath, is resistance to the value of our society. That your life depends solely on you. Because, friends, your life doesn't depend solely on you. Your production and your producing are not the most important thing in your life. Sabbath is an intentional bodily act of resistance. See, we're, we, we would agree, hey, we're supposed to, by, by the grace of the Spirit, we are called to resist greed. Would you agree? I mean, we are called to resist greed. We, we are called by, by the life of the Spirit to, to resist anger and to resist resentment. And we say, yeah, of course, yeah. Why? Because it's unhealthy. It, it, it wears our soul down. But when we live into forgiveness, we find life. But we are so slow to say, well, we need to resist productivity. We need to resist finding our value in what we produce. Whereas God seems very excited to say, no, 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 no. I'm going to give you a whole day. Just rest. Get in on this. In the Exodus narrative, God sets in motion and gives his people a work pause. And the pause breaks the production cycle. And I would suggest that those who participate in the break of that cycle also participate in breaking the anxiety cycle. Because you're giving your mind you are giving your heart, you are giving your soul and your spirit an opportunity to disconnect from the work of producing, to be filled with brand new creativity, to connect with what God is doing, to have things revealed to you that simply cannot be revealed to you in the go, 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 go. You may rest. It's the practice that we're invited into to be aware that our life does not consist in the frantic production and consumption. Our society does. But not what God is doing. And when we practice Sabbath, we create an environment of security and respect and dignity that redefines the whole human project. We come to this place of understanding that, wait a minute, I am for more than what I produce. I am for more than what I produce. And God did not place me in this amazing creation so I could just work, 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 produce, 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 and not experience peace and love and joy. Now, you got to work. But we, we do that six days. Six days.
give our bodies, our soul, our spirit care. We care for it. And what I love about this is you're actually using your body as an act of resistance. You're engaging. This is not just a spirit thing. This is an actual, I'm going to use my body to move in this way. That's why when we worship in song, sometimes you see people around the room uh, perhaps you know, raise their hands, or you might see someone kneel on the floor. You might even, at times, I've seen people that would lay prostrate, and you say, what is going on there? I love that because that person is actually using their body, and they're saying to their body, you're, you know, you don't control me. I control you. And I, this, is, this is my spiritual act of worship. I'm using my body on the outside to express what's going on on the inside. And so I, I raise my hands, but I'm using all of the tools that God's given me. And I bring it under the rule of Christ. And when we say with our body, this is what I'm doing today. I'm giving my body rest. You're actually using all of your being worship, to take care of what God has given to you. So, in very practical terms, here are a couple of suggestions. Because we live in the middle of a time where hurricanes are rolling. I mean, we're in the middle of hurricane season. Where uh, some of us are having huge struggles at, at work. Some of us have major, major family crisis going on. Uh, some of us have uh, huge issues with our cars and, and trying to figure out things with our bosses and trying to figure out uh, financial issues. I mean, all of this is going on, and it creates anxiety. And there's nothing wrong with the fact that it creates anxiety. But I am looking to gain tools and to have tools in my toolbox, gifts from God that help me to understand what has God given me to help me take care of myself? How is God looking to take care of me? And what would this look like in reality? The first thing I would say to you is pick a day, any day that you can, and commit to making it look different than the other six days. Okay, now you're I don't want you to go sideways on me and saying, you know, oh, I have to pick a day and I have to sit on my sofa all day. That's not what I'm saying. I want you to pick a day that your life looks different than the other six days. In the beginning, you need to know it's going to kill you. If you don't have this practice right now, this is going to be awful. Because you're going to feel like a loser. You're going to be thinking, but I could be getting this done and this done and this done and this done. And you could be, but you shouldn't be. And when you spend a, a, a day and you begin to integrate these gifts into your life, you quickly discover how much the rest of your life is actually not spent in the present. Because when you do this, you're forced to come in touch with your own spirit, with your own soul, with the divine, and, and you're forced in this place of, wow, this is what's happening. You learn how to spend a day of the week relating to time in a different way. And it will begin to change how you see the other six days. Hmm. 
The second thing is, well, that's great, that one day, I would encourage you to set aside many Sabbath moments throughout your week. And I don't, not many, M-A-N-Y, many, M-I-N-I, many Sabbath moments. So, for instance, what kinds of things can you do throughout your week to recenter yourself? What kinds of things can you do throughout your week to remind yourself that, you know what, I am in this situation with this person doing this thing, but the Spirit of God is with me. The Spirit is present here. And here I am forgetting and not recognizing because here's the deal. God is always speaking. God is always moving. God is always desiring to love through you and to love you. God is always desiring that you would be, be the bringer of peace and have the ministry of reconciliation. But sometimes when we get in our anxious society and our, we get in our own minds, we just go, 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 and we forget what we're for. So a mini, M-I-N-I, a mini rest throughout the day, maybe multiple times. And I'm not talking about adding another thing like, you mean now i got to have a whole bunch of quiet times through my day? No, no, no. I think of it more like this. Instead of adding stuff to your day, integrate it into what you already do in your day. So for instance, I have one friend who has created space in his life by offering every conversation to God. I have a friend who has disciplined himself to the place that when he is about to make a phone call, a sales call, before he, he dials the number, he, he has developed the discipline of, Holy Spirit, in this conversation, would you, would you be present? Would you remind me of your presence and allow me to be love and life in this conversation? I have, uh, and, and but whether it's a sales call or whether he's walking into a coffee house to grab a cup of coffee, Holy Spirit, just as I'm engaged with the, the barista, allow me to be fully present to the barista instead of being on my phone while talking to the barista, trying to make, you know, because I want to give my full presence to the barista and then I can walk out and give my full presence to the person on the other end of the line. I think it's an amazing discipline. I have another friend who uh, has, this, uh, has this habit where they set the timer on their watch to beep at the hour. And every time that it, it beeps on the hour, they take two minutes, they back up from their desk, and they take two minutes simply to say, Spirit of God, you've been present the whole time. I've not really recognized it, or maybe I have. And here we are again. Let's re-engage in the work that we're doing together. And then it goes off another hour, and they do it again. Another friend who intentionally runs every day, usually goes for about a 30-minute run during lunch, and uses that as just a, a time to recenter, reorient, whatever it might be. And then the third thing would be, ask the question, what feeds your soul, what gives you life on your day off, and do those things. What gives you life? life. Walk in the park? Go walk in the park. Going to the movies? Go to the movies. Drinking good coffee? Go drink good coffee. Spending time with a friend? Get them to have the same day off as you. Whatever it might be, what gives you life? What takes care? What feeds your soul? Get in on that. Personal story. And then communion. 
So last Sunday, my day off, no phone, no computer, no email. Sure enough, Harvey decides to run through, and my mind is going a million miles per hour. I need to get on the internet. I need to start pushing this thing along. Uh, other, other organizations are going to get a jump on us, and, and I don't want other people to get a jump on us. I want us to be like first responders, and I want us to, I want us to be awesome, and I want us to be good, and I need to go get the boxes of hope, and I need to do all this stuff. And, and so I'm tempted over and over and over and over again, and then I just finally was like, no. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop. I'm going to wait because today is my day off, and I'm not going to do this today. Because there's going to still be a problem tomorrow. <laughs> and wouldn't you know that my thoughts and my heart raced for the rest of the day. And I came to the realization that there were some things deep, deep within me that I thought I had dealt with. Like the desire to be great. The desire to be needed. The desire to be wanted. The desire to be a hero. All of these things just came flooding in. And I became depressed. I was highly anxious. I became competitive. I started thinking, well, I mean, I wonder what, I wonder what that organization's doing, and I wonder what that organization's doing. And man, if, if I don't lead Mid-City Vineyard in something soon, then all these people will find other organizations, and then they'll never want to fill boxes of hope, and they'll never want to go to Houston with Mid-City Vineyard. They'll want to go with this person or that person or that church or this thing. Do you, you see? Now, maybe to you that's incredibly trivial. Uh, maybe you're not quite as immature as I am. That's good. Such a ridiculous struggle. If I didn't have an intentional built-in day, do you realize that I would not have been able to come face-to-face -face with my pride in this way? Because I would have fixed it. It would have not had an opportunity to surface. I would have not come face-to-face -face with my ego. I would not have been able to come face-to-face -face with my deep desire that I thought was not there so much to be needed. And I realize, you know what, I get a lot of value, it, apparently, from people needing me. Dang it. I mean, I knew that six years ago, but I thought we dealt with that. And I guess we did in part, but it's still there. But see, by taking time to recenter, and by taking time to reflect, and by taking time in a very painful way, <laughs> The Spirit of God was able to bring things to light and say, Hey, Brian, what if, we, what if we think about this and talk about this? Just so you know, Wednesday, I was still in an awful, awful place. Because I got up and hit the road. I mean, I tell you what, by Monday morning, I was like out the door and at the coffee house by 6 o'clock. <laughs> I was like, Whoa, I finally get to go to work. I get to produce. I get to do stuff. And by Wednesday afternoon, I was dying on the vine. My competitive juices, my ego, my pride had flared up so bad. And I was like, I am going crazy. I don't know what, I need to double up my medication. I need to do something. And for whatever reason, I just, I really sensed that the Spirit of God said, no, what you need to do is stop. So I called a buddy. We went and grabbed a couple of cigars. And we went and took one hour in the middle of the day and just sat and smoked and talked and I just sensed the presence of the Spirit of God 
come to this place and remind me. You're not in charge. You are not valued by what you produce. You have stuff to do, but I'm the one that gives you the grace to get it done. I'm the one that wants you to ebb and flow with me. I'm not really ebbing and flowing with you. So here's what we're doing. Let's get in on this. And this whole idea of needing to be needed, it's kind of normal. But let's see what we can start talking about so that you don't have to be a slave to that. Because I don't want to be a slave to that. Sabbath allows you to come face to face with some of these things in your own life. So I strongly encourage you. I just, I can't even say it enough, but find a way to integrate rest into your life. Because the storms are going to keep coming. Literal, the, the hurricanes, literally, they're going to keep coming. There is always going to be something else to do. But in order to maintain your sanity, in order to maintain your life, in order to maintain the ability to love and to be a peaceful presence, you can't do that unless you're experiencing the peaceful presence. 